Harley, thank you so much for watching. Certainly appreciate it. The Hill starts right now. Off the job, but for very different reasons. Right now, you are looking at United Auto Workers on the picket line in Centerline, Michigan. As the union strike is escalating, workers at 38 more auto factories are no longer on the job. And now the head of the UAW is telling President Biden to come on down. And just moments ago, we learned that the president has said, see you there. And a live look right now at Capitol Hill. Half that place is empty as well, or at least was throughout the day. The House staring down a shutdown, but taking the day off. We're live from the Midwest, live as well to the halls of the Capitol. Plus cash, gold, a secret Mercedes, and claims of helping out a country in the Middle East. Why the Justice Department says it all involves one of Washington's most powerful senators. And just in as well moments ago, that senator made a big announcement. We'll tell you what he said. And what is Matthew McConaughey's political future? He answered that very question today. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. We made it to a Friday, and there is news flying all over the place. Thank you for being with us here on The Hill on News Nation. Once again, I'm Blake Berman, joined today by a great panel. Chris Steyerwalt, of course, News Nation political editor and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Dr. Nan Hayworth is the former Republican congresswoman from New York. Scott Bolden is a Democratic analyst, a legal analyst as well, and the former D.C. Democratic Party chair. And Denise Gitsum, a Republican strategist and former aide to President George W. Bush. Hello to you all. We begin today with the U.S. Senate and the policy issue that consumed the chamber this week. Not foreign affairs, not spending. <laughs> rather, how should we dress? Senator John Fetterman running the chamber on Wednesday in clothes that looked like he was running on a treadmill. All thanks to a rule change from the majority leader Chuck Schumer, who loosened the rules to basically anything goes. The former Re uh, Reagan speechwriter Peggy Noonan today writing this op-ed titled The Senator's Shorts and America's Decline. She said, quote, We are in a crisis of political comportment we are witnessing the rise of classless. Our politicians are becoming degenerate. Degenerate? Wow. Yeah, I mean, the, we have defined deviancy down to such a degree in American public life. Uh, and the problem is everybody always acts like somebody else is in charge, uh, that there is some establishment, some group of people at another place. Bro, if you're in the U.S. Senate, if you are one of a hundred United <laughs> States senators, you are the establishment, and you're supposed to want to set a good example and do those things. You're not you're not rebelling against anything. You are the system, and you are the man, and you got to act like it. And it, all of the you know you can make way too much over some gym shorts, but when that guy sits in that seat. Uh, and he is in. He's got uh, Daniel Webster's uh, chair underneath him, uh, and he's dressed like he's uh, playing a five-dollar blackjack table in a Detroit casino. It's not good enough. Uh, you were in the other chamber, of course. Dear Chris, you just insulted every blackjack player in Detroit casinos, and on behalf of all this here. Like what about well. Vegas? You know, not yes, in Vegas. I was. Detroit. It had Detroit. To be Detroit. I was. That was a very specific <laughs> knock. That was a very specific knock. Yes, and, and uh, Detroit will remember. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. 
Lakeland Casino there, by the way, is fantastic. I don't know. Go on. Some of us have stock in that company. But no, Blake, I was in the house. We did have a dress code there. I will say that policy matters most. And if John Fetterman suddenly became the avatar of tax cuts and deregulation, I don't care if he shows up in a Speedo. But that said, I think we do need to respect and symbolize and signal, as Chris has said, and as Peggy Noonan said, a respect for the job, for the position, for the history, and for the nation. Well, he wants to be respected, but you've got to, you've got to act and dress the part. Um, the Senate is probably the highest level of seriousness of purpose. A suit. I've been wearing suits since I was in high school. You all know this, and uh, I'm a second-generation lawyer. Uh, it connotes seriousness of purpose, right? And that you're there to do the nation's business. And I don't want my representative, any representative, sitting in that chair in less than a certain time. Because when I go to court, the judiciary requires me to have a certain time on. Yeah. And I don't think the judges, federal or state, are going to change that anytime soon. If, if, he, if John Fenneman could wear a suit as well as you wear a suit, <laughs> we wouldn't be having guys. this discussion. Yeah, if he looked better, he'd wear one, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you, you are the best dressed oh, Democrat. Maybe the best dressed person. This is the nicest thing I'm going to say The Republicans are going to swing hard later on. The setting you up. Yes, right. They're right. teeing me right. up. Uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, it's one of my favorite verses, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I'm sorry, but we expect you to adult. Like, there are days that all of us, and Peggy Noonan says things like nobody else can. She calls them out for being selfish, phony, and disrespectful. And I agree with her entire assessment. If you haven't read the article, you have to because she sums it all up so well. Yeah, it is It is worth it, by the way. All right, well, it is day seven, chapter two, I guess you could say, in the ongoing strike that has now spread basically nationwide. The Detroit big three automakers and the United Auto Workers Union still do not have a deal. As a result, the auto workers ramped up their walkouts today. Right now, for example, there are strikes in 23 different states at 41 different auto plants. However, Ford was spared in the latest round of talks after progress, some of it at least, was reported. The UAW president, Sean Fain, addressed the strike expansion and even extended an invite to President Biden. Ford is showing that they're serious about reaching a deal. At GM and Stellantis, it's a different story. We invite and encourage everyone who supports our cause to join us on the picket line. From our friends and families all the way up to the President of the United States. I was told by a source about a half an hour ago that the President would be going to Michigan, and just moments ago, President Biden himself tweeted out that he will be on the picket line on Tuesday. Joining us now is Congressman Shri Tanadar, a Democrat from Michigan. He represents Detroit and much of the surrounding areas there. Thank you for being here on a Friday afternoon uh, on the Hill. Congressman, I know you were on the picket line, President Biden going to the picket line. What, if anything, might that accomplish? Well, I'm excited that the president has announced he will be coming to Michigan. I welcome him to my district in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, uh, You know, this is a time that we all need to stand up for workers' rights. They made a lot of sacrifices during the financial hardship for the three automakers, and it's time for them to get paid back. You say it's it's your district. Uh, normally how that works, Congressman, is Air Force One flies in and the members of the party greet the president on Air Force One when he walks down the stairs. What are you going to tell him? Well, I'm just going to tell us that thank you for standing up for the workers. 
thank you for joining us. Thank you for showing up uh, because, you know, uh, unions built Michigan, unions built middle class, and it is time when the automakers are making record profits that we need record contracts. This is just being fair. Um, Donald Trump is going there on is going there on Wednesday, and we had known that for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, President Biden says, "See you there on Tuesday." Donald Trump forces hand. Well, look, President Biden is the best president uh, workers ever had. Is you know the best president unions ever had. Uh, he has always. So does he, does he have to close the deal then? If he's the, if he's the most pro union president, as he said, the best president ever for unions, as you've said, is is the deal partly on his back now and the White House's back? Well, and, and his active support. You know, he spoke from the uh, White House about record profits, record contracts. Now he's showing up in Michigan. He's going to be on the picket line. I think the president is standing by the workers. And he's doing everything he could do. Uh, and I, I thank President Biden for his support and what he has done for the working families and working class. You know, Gene uh, Sperling and Julie Sue, two of basically the top economic folks in the Biden administration, congressmen, were going to be going to Detroit earlier this week. Then the White House pulled them out. Was that the right move? Because, this, no, we because all- we're, we're here now with, with more strikes. Well, the president will be here, and that's what matters. He is the leader. He's, uh, you know, his support means a huge, uh, you know, benefit for the workers. We all need to stand for the workers. And, you know, their demands are simply, uh, now that the automakers are making huge profits, $21 billion in the first six months alone for all three automakers, it's time to end that two-tier system. You know, the two-tier system, people working at $17 without enough benefit, without having uh, the retirement benefits, uh, is just an unfair system. It's an exploitation of those workers. And we need fairness. This is the time. I mean, these workers made those sacrifices in hard times. It is time for us and it's time for the automakers. It's only good business to treat your workers fairly. Look, I ran small businesses. You know, I shared profits with my employees. When I ran small businesses, uh, the ratio, you know, the lowest paid employee in my company had about, uh, you know, no no, uh, less than three times the executive pay. Right now, the executive pay is 350 times as much. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Congressman Shri Tanadar, you joined us on short notice. Appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. Hope you come on back. Thank you. Um, if we had a NAN cam during that interview, <laughs> most of it, I saw you out of the corner of my eye, was this. Yeah. You were shaking your head to most of it. Well, yes, with all due respect to uh, the congressman, and I'm sure he did treat his workers fairly, so that, that's not in dispute. Uh, and I, too, am on the side of workers. President Tr- uh, Biden, however, is not on the side of workers, as the steady decline in real pay 
uh, between the inflation rate that President Biden, uh, to which he has set fire, uh, and uh, whatever rise in wages there has been, we know that inflation has been outpacing it. So American workers are suffering. And the automobile industry, um, I agree with him, you know, pay your workers better by all means. But no, everybody there should know that the automobile industry is being pressured by the Biden administration, by fiat government to manufacture cars, specifically electric vehicles that Americans do not want, that automobile manufacturers cannot sell. And that is creating a crisis that's hard to deal with. Well, we're early on in the process and the electric vehicles are going to reduce our carbon footprint. And that's super important. You can talk about economy. Dispute, you can Scott. talk about yeah, finances and, and, and what this, have you. I mean, but I don't think this is about carbon but, footprint and whether or not we want no. this massive strike when, across half the country. For well, just because they don't want electric cars doesn't mean that electric cars aren't going to make our environment better. And that's what the push is behind electric vehicles. They're actually vehicles, not as beneficial as you might think, Scott. It's going to take about 77 that's years going, of driving a much electric longer car debate, but actually you can't to make say a, that Biden's not a pro-union president. He's going to be on the picket line. He's probably going to be meeting with these uh, both sides, and the United States government is going to be at that table, and basically both sides is going to be demanding them to tell him no. That's dangerous politics for him, but you can't say he's not pro-union, and you can't pro say he's hurting the auto workers. What I think will be interesting is when the Trump campaign rolls out the ad that shows him speaking last September in Detroit about the electric vehicle mandate he was mm. putting on. Yeah. I think that to have such different conversations with different audiences always come back and bites you. And, you know, in regards to the, the union leadership, there's a saying in Washington we love to say, pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. When you go after more than you really can show up for and ask for, like a 32-hour work week for 40-hour pay, you're not doing anyone a disservice but yourself. So I want to show the map right now of where I mentioned 21 states, or 23 states, somewhere there. It's north of 20, of which all these strikes are taking place. If we have that, can we show it? Because, Chris, this started... In Michigan, the mm-hmm. first three strikes were Michigan, Ohio, and Missouri. And now I'm looking at Nevada. I'm looking at Florida. I'm looking at Ohio. I'm looking at Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You and know where I'm going. Now you've got to say Nevada. Nevada. Sorry, Nevada. excuse me. I, I was saying Nevada. I was you'll, told be, <laughs> you'll be in big trouble. They'll tie you to a I was a digging cigarro. for my map. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Donald Trump had an idea. And his idea was, I'll go to Detroit. I'll express uh, common feeling with the laborers there because uh, he's ditching the Ronald Reagan presidential <laughs> library debate that's going to take place on Wednesday. So I'll go to Detroit and it'll be like a Nixon Buchanan hard hat kind of blue collar campaign for Republicans. And it looked really good. Now, this highlighted the problems for Sean Fain which are, he doesn't want Donald Trump to win. Sean Fain wants Joe Biden to be the president. He, he, they, they want the Democrats to win. And what's Biden telling Fain? Hey, you're kind of killing me here. We have a lot of economic anxiety. I want you to uh, win. I want you to be successful. I want you to have whatever you want. But you're killing me. Once Trump enters the picture, circling around, right, like a big orange barracuda out there, then the pressure's on Fain. Hey, you, you got you to gotta do something about this. So I think Biden's arrival is an indication that they must be pretty close to finished because you wouldn't have the president go out there right. unless it was to be the healer to lay his hands uh, on those waters. And they don't want him to fail That's either. Because right. if he leaves without a victory, yeah. that's All a problem. Right. Well, for most people, the work week is ending right about now. Maybe if you're on the West Coast, got a little bit longer to go. After stringing together five long days on the job, but 
members of the House of Representatives, they got to take the day off after failing to get its work done to pass a bill to keep the government running. They went home yesterday for a long weekend. So where does that leave us right now? Let's head on out to Capitol Hill, bring in Michael Schnell, congressional reporter for The Hill. Michael, uh, good of you to be here on a Friday afternoon. There is this stalemate, eight days to go until a government shutdown. Where do things stand? You're talking to folks up there. What are you hearing? Yeah, look, Blake, right now where we are, the odds of a potential shutdown at the end of next week are more likely than not. And it's because right now, as you mentioned, we have this stalemate in the House where the Republican conference has been unable to come to some sort of consensus on how to avert a shutdown by the end of the month. <coughs> Over in the Senate, uh, my, uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has taken a first step towards uh, moving legislation to potentially avert a shutdown at the end of the month. But whether or not that will uh, receive, uh, be brought, be accepted in the House remains to be seen. So right now, uh, we have eight days until that shutdown deadline. There is no plan in place to avert a shutdown. A lot of things are up in the air. Michael, I can't help but notice where you're standing right now. It is literally dark behind you. Like some of the lights aren't even on there. Uh, I mean, I've been there. It's normally, you know, buzzing. And here we are with eight days to go. And no Um, pressure on Kevin McCarthy from what you're hearing. What's it stand out right now? Yeah, I mean, an immense. An immense amount of pressure right now. And McCarthy's in a tough spot because he has said time and time again, including this morning, that he does not want to see the government shut down. He has said that no one wins in a shutdown, particularly Republicans, when it comes to the messaging. But his way out of the box and his way of averting this shutdown really is its tough to see right now because those hardline conservatives have said that uh, they will not support a stopgap bill to keep the government open under any circumstances. And they have said that if you work with Democrats to potentially keep the government open at the end of the month. They've heightened their threats to potentially try and confiscate his gavel by bringing a motion to vacate the chair, essentially forcing a vote on whether or not he should remain in the speakership. As you mentioned, it's pretty quiet in this building today. McCarthy sent members Mm. home yesterday after they were unable to advance any of their spending bills. Uh, They don't return till Tuesday. It's going to be a real mad dash to that September 30th deadline. Indeed. Michael Schnell in the quiet halls of the Capitol. Michael, thank you. Have a nice weekend. Meantime, the White House's budget office is telling government agencies to start making sure their plans are ready if there is a (coughs) shutdown. That's a little bit of procedural, but it just goes to show where we are. Uh, Denise, what happens to Kevin McCarthy here? Kevin McCarthy was born into this role under pressure. This is so normalized for him. I was at the Capitol Hill Club Gala, the Republican Club, uh, a couple nights ago, and he was out joking with everyone. All the people who weren't part of the factions were there. One thing they didn't mention in the report was that um, I was talking to some members of Congress asking them for something before I came on, and they said, actually, he's staying back. So is the Rules Committee, and so are the leaders or the individual members of the factions. So people are still actually working on this. And one thing they emphasized at the gala the other night was that there's no one issue that anyone's rallying behind in their opposition. Each of the individuals that are coming against McCarthy and this and really America, it they have their own interests. And so I'm very confident that they're going to peel these people off one at a time and get them aligned to start doing the work of the people. What was this gala you're talking about? Uh, Capitol Hill Club. It's just uh-huh. the Republican uh-huh. Club. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, right. Republican Club. It's all, it's all yeah. members. But, yeah. you, but you know, it's, it's, the only reason why I ask yeah. is because it's like going to a gala in the middle of this 
this, and you saw Michael's live shot. Yeah. It's dark there. Yeah. Like I get it that yeah. they're back, you know, doing the rules. Yeah, and I still got to you know, keep the lights on in the in the, you know the club. I showed up. Yeah. The gala community right. needs help. They need support <laughs> now more than ever. Yeah, they're making this out to be way fancy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. It's, it, it just strikes me that like yeah. that just for the folks at home, like that stuff happens in Washington right. when you also see the picture of yeah. Michael. That's how work gets done here. Yeah. That's yeah. also it's relationship yeah, building. This is so many members together helping each other and I felt like I expected there to be somber people they were all trying to fight together and get on the same page and supporting him giving him standing ovations and he seems okay they can do a gala sometimes you need alcohol to help that yeah (laughs) so they can they can do a gala I'm sorry go right no go for it they they can do a gala they can sing kumbaya Uh, Kevin McCarthy cannot get this deal done because it's oh, a huge will. conflict of interest. It's either he works with the Dems or it costs him his speakership. That's a huge conflict of interest. And it's baked in from how he got to be the speaker. Last and word. that's not changing. Two seconds. Having been in the House, most of these folks at whom we shake our fists, Senate and House side, are doing what their constituents have asked them to do. So what you see in the House, especially on a granular level, is the deep divide among Americans themselves mm-hmm. about what direction we need our government to They move. want, uh, these guys want to force McCarthy to use Democratic votes. Yeah. The, these five or six members mm-hmm. want this to fail. They want to cripple McCarthy and they may, they may, they may, well, of our country though. Well, at the expense of shutting the they government down. They wouldn't say that as, as a congresswoman said, they think they're doing something good. Right. right. Well, they do. Up. Gold bars, cash, luxury car, secretive information involving a country in the Middle East. Not a spy twist. Not the plot of the brand new movie coming out this weekend. Instead, it's the allegations the Justice Department brought today against one of the most powerful senators in Washington. How the head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, not anymore actually, is now responding to the accusations brought against him when The Hill on News Nation returns. Gold bars, cash, a Mercedes, and bribes. Secretive information being given to Egypt. It's not this weekend's new blockbuster hit. Rather, that is what the Democratic New Jersey Senator, Bob Menendez, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, was indicted for earlier today. The senator and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes in exchange for Senator Menendez using his power and influence to protect and to enrich those businessmen and to benefit the government of Egypt. And breaking this afternoon, we learned that uh, in the past hour here that Menendez is stepping down as the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee until the investigation is resolved. Chris, it feels like the dam is starting to break here a little bit. There's a Democratic member in New Jersey that is calling for his resignation, and here's the governor uh, of that state, Phil Murphy, saying, quote, the alleged facts are so serious that they compromise the ability of Senator Menendez to effectively represent the people of our state. Therefore, I am calling for his immediate resignation. Well, the dam broke on Bob Menendez, what was that, five years ago? <laughs> uh, it ended in 2017. 2017, and uh, ended with a hung jury, and, they, and the prosecutors walked away. First case. Uh, and Bob Menendez engaged in conduct that was corrupt, and I, whether it was criminal or not, it was obviously... Allegedly. Well, that, no, no, it was corrupt. Whether it was criminal or not, that's a matter for a jury to decide. And in that case, that was about the Dominican Republic, 
public and favors and from uh, his friends, lots of generous friends who want to help powerful people. That's corruption, whether it's a criminal charge or not. So everybody's known for a long time about Bob Menendez. But here's what I figured. Yep. The Justice Department has been under a lot of pressure from Republicans for uh, one a, a two-tiered system of justice. Republicans say, and why why aren't you coming after Hunter Biden? Well, here's Hunter Biden in the dock. Uh, new charges here. Uh, what about the Democratic corruption? Well, here's Bob Menendez. Now, I'm not saying it's a tit for tat. I'm not saying that they're doing this. Uh, with some intent, I'm not saying Merrick Garland said, "Hey, we gotta we gotta throw some Democrats in the clinker because we we're prosecuting Trump." But you don't need that conspiracy because what happens is individual members of the Justice Department understand, "Oh yeah, we got to make sure that we're swinging hard on both sides." So this is probably good for uh, America. This is probably good for people's trust and appreciation of the Department of Justice and the, and the judicial system in the United States, and probably long, long overdue, given Bob Menendez's lengthy and enthusiastic skirting of, uh, of decency and normal rules of conduct. So when you get calls from the governor to resign, yeah. do, you, like, do, you, do you think there's a clock ticking right now on Bob Menendez or no? Menendez, Chuck Schumer's standing by him. For now. Um, but with a Democratic governor in New Jersey uh, and New Jersey not trending Republican anytime soon, right. there's a lot of confidence that, you know, and plus Democrats don't like Menendez because he bucked them. He's much more foreign policy hawkish. He was a big problem for Barack Obama. He was always undermining Democrats on foreign policy issues in the past. There's a lot of resentment for Menendez, who has, uh, after he got uh, off with the hung jury the last time. Uh, he became an even bigger thorn in the side of Democrats. They're not crazy about him. Uh, I don't think he will have many friends left. Can we can we talk about the law and the facts, if you will? This is a rerun from 2006, 2012, that ended in 2007. Uh, Menendez, he may be what you say he is, but he's not resigning because he's won on two of these already. You look at these facts of this case and this indictment, it involves his wife a lot, and it also, what honest services did he do, which is defined by the Supreme Court on one of Menendez and Governor McConnell out of uh, Virginia, it's defined by the Supreme Court as an official act. I'm not convinced what they allege in the indictment are, quote, official acts. What's bothersome about this that makes it very different, Chris, is that this involvement with helping uh, Egyptian officials oh, yeah. and sharing mm-hmm. secrets may be the, the, the charge that really gets him Nan, because I, that's not on the service. we got to run, but Nan, I want to give you a okay. word because I know you, you want to jump in. Well, it, it, New Jersey, actually, Phil Murphy lost fairly narrowly to his Republican opponent last time. I think uh, the Democrats are looking at Menendez as a liability if, he gets out and Murphy can appoint a far superior Democrat successor for the next election, mm-hmm. which is coming up. That's good for the Dems. All right. Well, coming up, it is the Republican debate. So why is Gavin Newsom going there? Why the Biden campaign wants the California governor in attendance. And starting Monday, a couple days from now, Connell McShane will host News Nation now, 3 to 5 Eastern, followed by us right here on the Hill on News Nation. But we got more to go before Monday. We'll be back after the break. Well, the Republican candidate Nikki Haley today unveiled her economic platform as she continues to see her popularity rise. While she's in a group far back from the frontrunner Donald Trump, of course, she does continue to ride a little bit of momentum here after her performance in the first Republican debate. National correspondent Robert Sherman joins us once again from the campaign trail. Robert? 
Hey there, Blake. We really have a tale of two completely different campaigns here. On the one hand, you have someone like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who has really seen his support in many of these early states erode, according to a lot of the polling data that we're seeing. But on the other hand, former ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley, she seems to be riding a bit of momentum right now. She was in New Hampshire today speaking in Manchester, where she talked about her vision for the future. Take a listen. I'm running for president to save our country. We'll end Joe Biden's disastrous slide into socialism. We'll unlock the power of American freedom. And we'll move forward together into a future of prosperity and peace. And her support in that state has been on the rise. A new poll has seen her move into third place, knocking on the door for second. And where's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis? Look at that, all the way back there in fifth. So is that a statistical anomaly? Well, not necessarily. If you go over to South Carolina, Nikki Haley, once again, doing very well, sitting in second place. Granted, that's her home state. She was governor of South Carolina there. But then you have Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sitting in third place back there. There's still time to change trajectories in this race. Long way to go until the Iowa caucus. But experts say that trajectory needs to be averted quickly. So this next debate, I mean, this is really important because if he wants to try to regain momentum and get back at least to be, hey, I'm the clear second choice, right? If Trump stumbles, I'm the guy. He's got to do something better than he did in that first debate. Former ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley had what many consider to be a strong debate performance. And since then, we've seen her numbers rise. Also worth noting, former President Donald Trump says he will not be attending next week's debate in California. That would be the second one he would be skipping. And so far, we have not seen it put a significant mark in any of his poll numbers. Blake? All right, Robert Sherman out on the campaign trail once again. Robert, thank you. So, Denise, Nikki Haley up. Uh, Ron DeSantis down. Yeah, kind I of, mean, sort of. this what do you is going to happen for a while. They're very, also, each of the states are very different. DeSantis is not the kind of guy that New Hampshire folks, voters are going to love by instinct. Look, her tone proved that her time as ambassador, just in the way she's been answering questions that the voters have posed, really paid off because she's one of the most diplomatic candidates on that stage. She's able to talk about things that everyone agrees with without being disagreeable or turning pro-Trump supporters off. And I, I thought she was masterful in how she addressed the people who asked her how they thought Trump would be viewed in history. And she said, look, he was the right president at the right time when but not the right president for now, vote for me, right? So I just, I think she's done a masterful job. I look forward to seeing this next debate. And she said something about Trump not showing up. She said, if you don't show up, you can't win votes. And she'll be there and she's going to win more votes. She is, though, starting to turn up the heat on Donald Trump. Uh, here she was, Nikki Haley, recently. And Nan, I want to ask you about it on the other sure. side. He didn't do anything on fiscal policy. And and really spent a lot of money, and we're all paying the price for it. He used to be good on foreign policy, and now he has started to walk it back and get weak in the knees when it comes to Ukraine. So she is going after him a bit there. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, the, the fiscal policy... Um, it could be argued in a, a nuanced way uh, because, of course, he had to work with a Congress. Uh, but uh, look, she's trying to compete with him. And I think uh, where she really stands out, especially for a New Hampshire audience, is on the post-Dobbs 
abortion politics yeah. uh, because she has made clear her pro-life bona fides mm-hmm. are solid. But she it has signaled to uh, the majority of Americans who, by polling, want to see access during the first trimester mm-hmm. uh, unimpeded. She has reassured them that she is not going to be seeking as president uh, to restrict that access. And I think that's an important point that a lot of Republicans are looking at and thinking about. And in this field, it really stands out. All right. Now on to the other side of the aisle and President Biden's reelection campaign. It's making a, a bit of an interesting move, you could say. Sending in the California governor, Gavin Newsom, to next week's Republican debate as a surrogate. Effective strategy here, Chris? You know, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, I, I think I underestimated before. Really? Um, How his, so? His, his botch around COVID, we remember the French Laundry yeah. uh, fundraiser dinner in violation. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was, you know, a set of veneers and some hair. <laughs> uh, and I, I, it's I, a great I, restaurant, man. Would you, I would, who, are you, who, do you, who are you talking to? You think I wouldn't go to the French Laundry? No, 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 no. But I, I think that Gavin Newsom sort of is... The um, alternate universe, the bizarro world, Joe Biden. He is better than Joe Biden was when he was young in terms of his presentation. Biden's always been argumentative. Biden's always been whatever. But he has the glad handing. He has that thing. He has that certain energy. And I think it's wise for Biden to lean into Newsom. Like, I'm not threatened by Gavin Newsom. I'm not worried about Gavin Newsom. I like Gavin Newsom. And then the other upside is, if Biden really does eventually have to step aside, Gavin Newsom is, in my mind, the obvious front runner now for that gig because Kamala Harris won't that 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 won't hunt. So He's I, I the spoke Eddie to Haskell of the Democrat Party. And, and look at our presidents. We <laughs> we've got the Bill, Bill Clinton was the Eddie Haskell of all hey, of Arkansas. Hey, Mr. Biden, that's right. I'm here for you if hey. you need me. He's a great debater. He's super smart, and he'll be a great messenger at the GOP and after the GOP. I spoke to a uh, campaign aide uh, on the Biden side of things a little while ago and asked them about this. Here's what they told me. They said, "Don't." Don't read, uh, you know, too much into the whole thing. They said, look, this is California. He's the governor of the state. Natural for him to be there. They try to put surrogates. This is from the campaign side of things. Uh, folks who are, you know, from that state, he's, they say he's a member of the National Advisory Board. I said, well, what about all the chatter surrounding Gavin Newsom? Does that, does that worry you at all? And they said, this person said, the only chatter that's happening is Beltway columnists. Yeah, but he's been very David supportive. Ignatius. Yeah. yeah, David Ignatius, take that. There's a lot. There's a lot of chatter, and the Democrats want reassurance, and this yeah. is a good opportunity for. Well, he's from your home state. Last word to you. Keep your friends close. This is Biden's. I'm so smart. Keep your friends close, and those likeliest to knock you off closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kamala Harris ought to be the most worried Democrat Indeed. on this scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's from California. They're not sending her, and maybe she because she's vice president. But Gavin, Gavin is a powerful voice in the Democratic Party, and the more they put him out there, the stronger he's going to get for the very reasons that you just gave, Chris. All right. Well, a programming note, by the way. Next Wednesday, tune in for a special edition of The Hill right here Ooh. on News Nation. Here's why. That man right there, political editor Chris Stiles. I look so surprised. Whoa. (laughs) You do. What what is the face there? I don't know what that is. Why did they choose that for me? I look like something's wrong there. Exactly. Uh, But you sat down, you were in Iowa the last few days. Yeah, we had a great, we met uh, with a group of 10 Iowa caucus goers, talked to them, had a good interchange 
got to the bottom of it. I think for viewers at home, this was not only a really good insight into where the Republican electorate is and what they're doing, but about why Iowa is so weird. And I say that in with much love. Uh, I love being in Des Moines. I love being in Iowa. Uh, but how the caucus system really works, it's a good insight. Fascinating insights. Uh, fascinating conversations. We'll get into all of it coming up here on Wednesday. Before then, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Mr. Congressman, Mr. Governor, maybe something more. Matthew McConaughey not shooting down the possibility that one day he could jump into the political arena. So when might that happen? And what could it all look like when The Hill on News Nation returns? Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. And on their door. And does actor Matthew McConaughey have political ambitions? Here's how he or how he is replying to that question. And the F-35 fighter jet mystery deepens with a strange 911 call. This is what we're calling our Fast Friday fun. Ooh. I think that's one way to put it. <laughs> First to the F-35 911 phone call. Here it is. We have a military jet crash. I'm the pilot. We need to get uh, rescue rolling. I'm not sure where the airplane is. It would have crash-landed somewhere. I ejected. Okay, and what caused the fall? Uh, an aircraft failure. <laughs> I mean, thank goodness the pilot's oh, fine, but could you imagine making that 911 phone call? What a bad day. If you've ever had a bad day at the office, there's your worst day. Hey, remember the time I had to call 911 and say that I lost a $90 million fighter jet over <laughs> South Carolina? Yeah, but what about the operator? The operator said, what made the plane fall? Yeah. What caused your fall? <laughs> Denise, I don't think this story's going anywhere. I, I don't, but I asked a friend of mine who knows things in the Marine Corps, and, and she told me that unlike commercial aircraft, the emergency locator finder stays with the pilot when he ejects. So if they, you know, clearly they put a greater value on the pilot, which is good, than the aircraft. But you know, if that's the case, it makes a lot more sense. Look, we're not going to get rid of the story because it's ludicrous to ask the public to help you find an eighty million dollar jet. It started. Okay? It started as a, like a punchline, <laughs> right? And now it's like we've got nine like, it's nine one one calls. It's a meme. And a call forever. Yeah. Memorialized. Well, it becomes a meme because it's emblematic of a certain state of dishevelment that we feel in general in this country. Is right. The government is failing us, and here's an obvious example. All right. Well, turning to Matthew McConaughey, who is again floating the possibility for political <laughs> office, potentially here. Uh, basically said he is, he's got kids, he loves, you know, his kids and loves this moment in time, but he didn't necessarily shut the idea down, Scott. Yeah. You know, he looks like Gavin Newsom. And I think Gavin would oh, be his running mate, oh, if you will. Gavin had hair that good. Gavin would have already been Wait, president. He's, he's a handsome guy, and he can help him with his politics. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, these actors uh, running, it's appealing. It's interesting to people who follow and are fans of Matthew McConaughey. But who is I don't it? think. I'm not going to be sexist here. Oh, dear. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I, I think it's appealing, but it's a lot different than wanting to run, thinking about running, and actually putting Here's what he says. I'm an, I'm an artist. I'm a storyteller. I'm a folk singer. Yeah. Uh, those parts of me that could be useful in a political position of leadership to be the CEO of a state or country? Maybe. Well, listen, you like playing bongos naked. You like your family. <laughs> See, There's so many reasons not to run, Mr. McConaughey. Just shh, close your mouth and look beautiful and make great Oh, movies. don't objectify. <laughs> don't objectify Matthew McConaughey. Do we know if he's How a Democrat or Republican? Has he, he's, 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 he's in the middle. He's, he's in, in, in he's between. In he's all that yeah. stuff. And I, I will tell you this. Celebrity is a new invention in human history, right? There were no celebrities 100 years ago. Charlie Chaplin was the first celebrity. The idea that you would just be famous for being famous was a new idea. Celebrity is now a job in the United States of America. Ronald Reagan was the first celebrity, big success story in politics. Then Donald Trump. They will not be the last ones, and this will continue to come because Americans view these people differently now. Matthew McConaughey is cool, and I also liked what he had to say, which is, I have kids to raise. That's my non-negotiable. After I'm done raising my kids, maybe we'll get in to do it. And when you look, as the congresswoman said, when you look at the goofballs in politics, what's wrong with the little nude bongo drumming compared to? He's already in the dress code. right? He's already in the dress code. Right. The biggest uh, celebrity out there. Right. Cut uh, my taxes, I'll get you the drums. Yeah, Taylor Swift. Uh, Swifties should be careful. The IRS is going to know if you sold your era's concert tickets. A new rule from the IRS is punishing those who resold tickets for more than $600 in profit with a tax penalty. So you bought it for whatever, a few hundred bucks. You flipped it maybe for a few grand, and the IRS could hit you yeah. if you don't file it. Well, welcome to your big government era. Uh, <laughs> it's tax collection. No, but this came, from president, this came from President but, Biden, right? Well, and then the you, new have have, yes, you have to look, pay taxes I, on your income. Scott, well, I agree. And it, it small d democratizes the payment of taxes. One of the challenges in this country is that we have a highly progressive, the most progressive taxation system actually in the world. So that fuels spending because if folks perceive that, well, I'm not going to be paying that, but, you know, Elon Musk will or whatever, which isn't exactly true, uh, then that feels more spending. So if people actually feel the sting of taxation, not that I want anybody to feel it, but then perhaps they will contemplate what that money is going toward. And I think that could be. So good. you don't want them to sell the tickets, or you want them to pay taxes on what on their income. I, on top, by all on their means, profit. you know. I, and folks have complained, and I understand it. The IRS is dinging you for six hundred bucks of income, whereas they won't touch Hunter right. Biden. Totally get it, Scott. How much did you get for your tickets? <laughs> or you would never sell. You would never. My lawyer never told me not tickets. to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> the IRS watches this program. I'm sure. That's Friday fun. I think we'll bring it back next. Before uh, then, though, Elizabeth Vargas report. Is about seven minutes away right now. Tonight, as UAW workers, as you know, enter their second week of striking, no end in sight, really. Elizabeth will speak to someone who knows just what they are going through. The former UAW president, Bob King, sitting down with Elizabeth Vargas about seven minutes from now here on News Nation. And coming up before then, before we go, a very special announcement from the News Nation family. We'll explain. Stay with us. The Chosen, a global sensation shining a spotlight on faith and shocking Hollywood. Only News Nation's Adrian Banker has behind-the-scenes access to the cast and the set. A News Nation special report, The Chosen Phenomenon, Sunday, 9, 8 central, only on News Nation. All right, welcome back to The Hill. Before we go, here is, I don't know if it was a headline, but a story, a picture, some great news that caught our eye. News Nation's own... On Balance host, Leland Vitter. 
getting engaged, I believe today, in Ireland. This is Adair Manor um, and his fiancée, Rachel Putnam. Uh, the two of them getting engaged, soon to be married. They look happy as can be there. Congrats she, to Mr. Vitter. She saw the pants and said yes anyway. <laughs> she saw those pants and she made a calculated like. risk. He she just says, left the golf course. I can take it. Right. I, can, I can handle this. You were, right. you were needling Leland a little bit. Well, you know what? Every When every man uh, gets married, he hopes that she'll stay the same forever. And when every woman gets married, she looks at him and hopes he'll start to change immediately. So, Rachel, <laughs> keep hope alive. <laughs> Cannot disagree. Just Leland and during the process? Oh, Dear. Just say yes. Do you like that? Yes. Get to I a place that. of yes. Do you love Get that? Oh, yeah. Yes. I love that. Just get to a place of yes, right? Very cool. Though. Those were his golf pants, by the way. He left the golf course. He said he, he posted that this was a golf trip. Yes. Right. Exactly. golf trip and then proposed. So good on him. Leland, seriously, if you see this, congrats. Congratulations. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate the time. And thank you for watching The Hill on News Nation. We'll be back on Monday, 5 o'clock Eastern. Until then, Elizabeth Vargas Report starts right now. America's fentanyl crisis is now threatening the most vulnerable, and officials don't seem to have a plan to stop it. A second search of a deadly daycare turning up a huge stash of drugs right under the baby's sleeping mats. Who is protecting our youngest children from the cartels? The auto worker strike is coming to an assembly plant near you as the union ramps up the pressure. Need a spare part for your car? Well, now you might not be able to find it. And later, police threatened to charge